Welcome to Booz Allen Hamilton's Unstoppable Together podcast, a series of stories that unite us and empower each of us to change the world. I'm Jenny Brooks with Booz Allen Hamilton, and I'm passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Please join me in conversation with a diverse group of thought leaders to explore what makes them and all of us unstoppable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstoppable Together podcast. I'm Jenny Brooks, and I'm excited today to be joined by Jondrea Alexander. Jondrea is a vice president in Buzan's Navy Marine Corps business and a leader in the cybersecurity and IT industry. Jondrea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate the welcome. We're really looking forward to connecting with you today and talking about your experience as a Black female leader in the cybersecurity market. How did you get started in your career? So I started in cyber uh, indirectly. So I was a math major, and then I became a computer science major in college. And my first job was in DOD in, in the Washington, D.C. area. So I got to learn about missions. I got to build software systems, deploy them different places across the world. And then one of the projects I worked on was for NATO. And so a NATO mm-hmm. project had multiple levels. So as a result, I had touched cybersecurity. So I was a software engineer. And once you touch cyber, you pretty much have become cyber. So after that day, I was totally transitioned to a cybersecurity engineer. I went looking for a position and I went to interview and they said it was a cybersecurity position. And I said, well, I'm a software engineer. I really don't have them with cyber. And they said, don't worry about that. We can teach you cyber. You know, software engineer, you'll be fine. I took the position and I've never looked back. Cyber is broad, so there are many different aspects to it, and it keeps expanding. So we have the policy, which are things like, does a particular system meet the compliance? Is this the right standard for a building cyber in? There's the cyber engineering, which is, I'm a software engineer. I'm a DevOps developer. I'm building a critical infrastructure system, and I have to build cyber in because I have to know that it has to withstand certain attacks and operate through cyber attacks and contested environments. That's the cyber engineering. That's hands-on. And then you have your testing, pen testers. You have to be able to reverse engineer and anticipate how it will be attacked, or you might be generating code to attack. So understanding the attack surface and being able to look at that and then think of ways to get in. Traditional, non-traditional, collaborating, different tools, that's another area. And then the last category I think of is really threat and operation. So you're monitoring, you're looking at attacks that might be happening, or you're looking at behaviors of a system to select and identify various attacks. That's awesome. Okay, so stepping back for a second, I have a couple questions for you. <laughs> As a female student, Because we talk with girls, you know, middle, high school, college age, female students in STEM. What was that experience like? Were you always drawn towards math and science? Was it something that you were passionate about? Or was it something that was sort of difficult given the gender experience? So I'm from Washington, D.C. And so in Washington, local politics or national politics. So the two areas that I really liked were political science and math. So in junior high, I was taking high school classes. We had to actually go to this all boys class 
that was in the evening so that we could take the advanced math that wasn't offered at our school. And there were like five of us. It was really interesting. So I love math. I enjoy it. I like all the things about it. I think until I got to like college mid-level when I decided I needed something that was a little bit broader, wasn't quite so formula driven, but more creativity. Mm -hmm. But when I majored in computer science and I looked at schools, I was trying to decide, should I go into political science or should I go into computer science? And my family was science, engineering. My father was an engineer. My brother had gone to school in engineering. My mother was like a botany major and then got a master's in education and gifted development. So it was not abnormal to love the field and to think about all the things that you could do with the field. In Washington, there are also a lot of role models. So there were plenty of black role models who were professional. My doctor growing up was African-American female. My children's doctor was African-American female. There were always professional role models. So you never really thought that you couldn't do something because you didn't see people in the profession. It was just what do you want to do and how do you apply your passion? Now, I wasn't fooled. I knew I had to work hard. I knew that there was opportunities. I had a real dose of realism, very young, which is fine, that you carry with you. And I was very passionate about speaking out about the need for diversity and the need to treat people correctly. So I formed different groups all growing up. Like in high school, I led uh, the Black Symposium and the International, and we had some International Day, something you could do to be inclusive. So I always enjoy those two sides of things. So you go to this opportunity at NATO and you said you had a touch of cyber and they said, we can teach you the rest. Can you tell us a little bit about that, particularly for people who might be listening here? Like, look, I really would like to pursue opportunity in cyber, but my experience might be adjacent to that. How do I consider making that transition? What does that look like? Sure. So I was, I had developed systems. So I had gone through all the life cycle, the requirements, design, development, testing, installation, training, et cetera. And I had done that for several aircraft tactical systems, uh, different air force systems. So when I worked on the NATO system, one of my interests was in computer graphics. And you don't think of computer graphics as a big part of something that's cross domain or hit multi-level, but it did. You had to actually have the graphics at two different classification levels. And so in order to understand that, there's certain rules that you have to understand. There's certain ways you have to build that and design it. So I had a team and we had to build this rather intricate system and we did, but we had to adhere to the rules of cybersecurity. And so the transition was really taking something I had done, was perfectly familiar with leading software development activities. And then you just have to understand the new rules, the rules that you get from cybersecurity or performance or safety or whatever that domain can be. So it was a pretty easy transition because you have people who understood what that really meant. The real change is when I went and changed jobs and they said cybersecurity isn't that well-defined. Their policies are still emerging. We really don't know what a solution looks like. And so part of it is you get to develop approaches and techniques and help drive some of the standards for the systems of things like you were building. And is that sort of what you were alluding to earlier? 
Does that give you the creativity that you were seeking when you said you sort of wanted something a little bit broader than the strict formulaic math? Yes, absolutely. So there is no right answer. And any answer you have is can be torn down in a, in a matter of time, right? So there's no perfection. And you always have to be trying to get new perspectives. Think about it, whether you're doing research and innovation for future solutions or whether you're deploying a current solution. You have to be mindful that the adversary is always there and they are collaborative. They are bringing different perspectives. And if we don't bring different perspectives as cybersecurity defenders or even attackers, then we will never succeed. And so it's really one of the most collaborative and the more creativity and the more different perspectives you can bring together, actually the better off you are. You spoke earlier about the diverse role models that you have playing different roles. For someone who is coming up in their career, perhaps in cyber or other fields, or for those who are already at the table in a management role, what would you ask them to consider in terms of the importance of diversity role models? That you can't quantify the impact of seeing somebody who is similar, who has achieved something that you're seeking to achieve. So when you don't have role models, I'm driven by my passion, my dedication, and the excitement of the opportunity. But with a role model, you realize you can get there and they have such great perspective and you realize many of the struggles you have, you can actually talk to someone about because they're not the obvious ones that you read about in a book, right? So going to a meeting in one of my early jobs with the director and being the one to present and the first person who gets off the elevator asks me to go get him coffee, you know, that's just not an experience that you read about. That's just an experience you live through. Right. And then fast forward all the way through my career, it's really exciting. I'm at a recruiting event and there's a new hire there. First thing he asks is, can you go make some coffee? I said, absolutely. As long as you can show me where the copier is. Let's go. So, you know, it's not a slight. It's just a assumption. It's the way people perceive certain people, you know, when they don't know. And the more role models you have, you break down barriers so that you start to wonder, well, you know, maybe this is the guest speaker or maybe this is somebody who's a peer, right? You, or it doesn't really matter to me the level because I believe everybody contributes, but you want to be respectful regardless. So it's not about that level. It's about the fact that you think it means something. Mm-hmm. Right? To me. As a female leader in cyber, how have you used mentors throughout your career? What have been some of the key takeaways from some of the mentors that you've used along your career journey? I would say that in my career, what kept me going are the people who have been outside my field. I find that that's my strongest support. And it's such a great perspective because Many people just have no idea what it's like to be in this field, in this domain, where there is such uh, limited diversity. We're playing catch up. And it's all of STEM, but it's particularly our area. So when I get someone who's a mentor in my field, that's really valuable. And those mentors have kind of helped me 
understand how to align what I'm doing and the direction of my career to where I need to go. Not all about the moment. It's more about what you can learn, what you can bring back, what you can share with others. So I think in my career, because I was, I don't know, I just a big advocate of always opening doors. It's such a discouraging point to hear for so long that the reason we don't have more diversity is because we don't have, we can't find good candidates. So I just say, forget it, sign me up. I will find you good candidates. Now let's Mm -hmm. go to the next interview. And so when I get a mentor who understands that's not really a barrier, that's more of an excuse, it's very motivating, right? You get personal guidance and then you get organizational. Is that notion of the problem is we don't have enough candidates. If I understand it in cyber, correct me if I'm wrong, part of that challenge is because in cyber, the market or the industry, if you will, sort of expects, well, to get into cyber, you have to have performed the role before. So we're only going to hire people who meet all of these tickets, but the tickets are five years experience doing this or a very robust set of certifications or experience doing, you know, pen testing or whatever the case may be. Is that your experience? Is that part of it? It's this circuitous sort of gate that we have to think about it in a different way. What's happening with this conversation around we don't have enough cyber talent? Definitely. I think we do. We expect people to come in ready and have already performed in the role that we want them to perform in. But we will never change a workforce. We will never bring in creativity if we just bring in the few people who we happen to touch. But if we bring in people who have the underlying skills, it's not our job to just teach them. It's our job to let them go and create and overtake what we have done. And that, to me, is probably the most exciting thing. I mean, everywhere I go, I build these teams and I try to give them total exposure and safety. So they can build it, break it, and rebuild it. And they can try. And that's what you want. And then they're not afraid. And then the things they deliver and the solutions they provide are incredible. I love that. So for candidates who might be listening to this, particularly women, what would your advice be to candidates who are considering getting into cyber but don't quite have all of that experience or certifications or quals yet? I would recommend that you make your desires known. And if it's something that means something, then take the initiative. So you ask for advice, take the advice. It might be to take a class. It might be to shadow somebody on a project. It might not be the pen tester role that you read about that sounds so exciting to do. It might be something that's a stepping stone along the way. And when you deliver along the way, you get more and more opportunities, but never shy away. I feel that if you haven't tried an opportunity that's adventurous, then you're not being fair to yourself, right? If it's what you want to do, that's what matters. And if people tell you you can't do it, find a different group of people. If there's not room at this table, you go find another table. That's right. Diverse representation is so critical in cyber. What for you are the compelling drivers to ensure that we have diverse representation in cyber? So I've had a variety of mentors, sponsors, allies, cohorts, all different folks. And I would say 
that the drivers for me are what they did. You push people to do what they're uncomfortable doing. And then you stand behind them when they do it. And I think that helped me. I mean, I've told to do quite a few things that I did not feel comfortable doing. And I just know that at some point you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So if you're female and cyber, it's okay. You bring to the table something unique and it's okay if it's not what other people bring. It's okay if you have to grow into that role. Everybody started out somewhere and everybody had a door open for them. And there's no reason we can't open more doors for women, for African-Americans, for other minorities, for just people who have a different perspective who want to enter the workforce and they decide this is what they want to do. How do you get passion if you can't give people an opportunity to try it and see if it is their passion? I love that. Thank you. John Jerry, at the end of every podcast, we leave our guests some free space to share final thoughts with those listening. What would you like to share today? I have a story that's about potential because I do believe you bring people in for their potential. And so, okay, I'm a big reader. I used to go to Barnes & Noble every weekend. And then one Mother's Day, my children bought me a nook. And they said, Mom, you don't have to go get all these books and bring them home. You can put them all on this nook. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Thanks, guys. But of course, I still had to go to Barnes & Noble because I had to go look at the books to see if I wanted to buy the book. So I was in there and I was at the nook section. I think I needed an accessory. And there was a young man and he was working in the nook section. And there was an older gentleman who came to him. And it's a Saturday. So there's chaos. Children are just falling out around us. And gentleman asked, you know, how do I create another profile? And the young man was so patient. He didn't let anything distract him. And he said, you know, here's how you here you can create this profile and that solves your problem. But more than that, let me just show you how to do it. And he sat down, he created this profile, and I'm watching thinking, what great client interface skills. Right? Right? I love <laughs> how you go from nook to client interface. But I'm like, man, can I use you? You are just unbelievable. This is great. So, so he goes through and does that. And then I go to the register to get whatever it is I get. He opens up my little nook case. Says, oh, I see you're in cybersecurity because it said director cybersecurity. I just got my degree in cybersecurity. Oh, my God. I was like, really? It's like, yeah, I was a music major couldn't get a job. So I went back and got my degree in cybersecurity. So I said, hey, send me your resume. We'll work with you. So I took it back to the team. The team changed his resume, worked with him, and he was just an outstanding performer. Outstanding. So, so random, right? But if I had judged his resume and said, have you done these things? I would have never hired him. If I looked right. at the list of approved background activities, I wouldn't have hired him. But watching him, he was stronger than almost anybody. Oh, I love it. And I have to ask you, did you fully adopt the Nook or are you still doing hard copy books? Because I'm an old school. I just got to have the paper in front of me. Okay. I was good. And I have about a thousand plus books. But of recent, one of my sons, well, both of them are sort of now avid readers themselves. And they have the nerve to say to me, we like paper. <laughs> I have, so I have Kindles, I have Nooks, I've got the iPad, 
So I, I went to paper for a while, but now I'm trying to get back into the electronic. But yeah, there's nothing like a paper book, but it does weigh a little more. Yeah. And then is there any book that comes to mind that was particularly important or influential to you in your career or something notable that you would recommend? I would say that one of the most influential and accomplished African-American females who I had the pleasure of working under when she was CEO of an organization, she wrote a book when she left called Making Space, because I was in the space industry, uh, satellites, et cetera. And her Making Space was about recommendations on leadership. And it was really interesting. Making Space. Making Space. Thank you, Jondria. Oh, thank you, Jenny. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Visit careers.boozallen.com to learn how you can be unstoppable with Booz Allen. Be the future. Work with us. The world can't wait. <laughs>